hello again. Jim and Roth here with the Keeping It Real <laughs> is podcast. Is that your actual intro? That's amazing. That's, that's my actual intro for this oh, week. Hello. I just wanted to try and make it a little different. Uh, nice so we're here. we're here, Roth and Jim, talk about the week that was and genre movie news and developments uh, here at the old IGN podcast, Keeping It Real. So <laughs> we have uh, we have some stuff to talk about, but the the end. We're just going to essentially, and it'll be spoilerish. so if you haven't seen Mad Max Fury Road, come back and watch the, the last bit of the podcast because we're basically just going to verbally Make ejaculate to it, yeah, all over Mad Max all Fury over Road. It. We're just it's awesome. respectively That's all we want to say to Dive that. inside of it. We're off to a smashing start <laughs> here this week on Keeping we It Real. We want you to go see Mad Max is what yes. we're saying so that you can orgasm with us. <laughs> There's one fan. Okay. <laughs> so this week, let's just jump right into the news. Uh, Marvel, because they're the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. The MCU, Kevin Feige, uh, Marvel Studios president, producer of Avengers and every Marvel movie, um, was doing a Q&A, a post-screening uh, Q&A at USC, his alma mater. Little factoid, not really a humble bar, just a factoid. I went to college with him. Wow. And Brian Singer. And uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s wife. Wow. And Macy Gray. Wow. Yeah, she was two years ahead of me. But that's neither here nor there. So, anywho, yeah, she was like a, a screenwriting student. Macy Gray? Yeah, and her name, I forget what it really it was, like Natalie or something. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. So, so all right, let's talk about what the week <laughs> that was in the MCU. Uh, Kevin Feige, boss of Marvel Studios, um, producer of all their movies, did a post-screening Q&A uh, Q at USC, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how death uh, will be permanent in, in the MCU. Not death the character. Not death the character, but one particular Avenger. But the giving up of the ghosts. Yes. Now, if you've seen Avengers Age of Ultron, this should come as no surprise to you. And if you haven't, it will. Quicksilver is dead. <laughs> we had to drop that bomb. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, it's only been out for two weeks. You should have seen it by now. Um, and he's going to stay dead. Kevin Feige says he is staying dead. Stay dead. Stay dead. Johnson. Quicksilver. Yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson. I, you know, I got to say. basically ceding Quicksilver to, to Fox at this I point. I think that's what it feels like to me. I think yeah. that, you know... It would have been problematic for them to ultimately continue on yeah. having the same character. Quicksilver for Fox was a big success. People loved Quicksilver and X-Men. No are one saw that coming. No one did see that one coming. <laughs> um, after all of the pre-buzz hate on him. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he was a big success for them. They're continuing on with that character. So I think, you know, M Marvel's like, you got that one. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they've already, yeah, I feel like Scarlet Witch is a better bet for them because in the Avengers universe, what she can do stands out. In an X-Men movie, it's one more amazing ability to throw CGI at people. Plus, she's got to get with uh, the vision. That's right. You know, I'm just wondering, like, how do War Machine and Falcon feel where, like, like you're the that. new guys on the team and, and in, in, even Cap, like, she would rather bone a robot than any of them. Oh, that's one <laughs> heck of a robot. I mean, the Vision is one sexy robot. He's not only, like, yeah, no. He's I got mean, that, Mr. well, wasn't Mr. Spock, like, an influence on Vision that basically it was sort of, it was like their kind of answer to Mr. Mr. Spock, the kind of cerebral but cool 
kind yeah. of counterculture. He, he's got that kind of like, and it's weird because she's so, they're a great match yeah. in that she is so fiery and full of emotion and driven by emotion. It's like a um, saga of fire and ice. <laughs> That's for <Okay>. me. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward podcast so far <laughs> this week. So, so, all right. I'm but, loving it. I love that the intro happened. I had no idea but, what was coming. So you're fine with, with Quicksilver being dead and gone in the MCU. And yeah. You know, do you, but do you think that, is that going to stand for every character? Let's say they follow the comics and Cap dies, mm -hmm. even though we all know in the comics he came back and yada yada, was he really dead? I, for, I forget that twist. I think it turned out he actually wasn't really dead. I forget. Anywho, in the MCU... Do you think death really is going to be as permanent as Kevin Feige says? No. No? You think they're going to uh, no, retcon I mean, it if need I, be? Well, I think there's a couple of factors that play into it. First of all, it's already not completely permanent because of Coulson, right? So. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's already well, not true. Yeah. Um, it may be true for Quicksilver. I think with Cap, it actually really does depend on Evans and his contract. Yeah. And if he's willing to re-up and if they feel like they need him to or if they can continue on without Cap. Um, I think it actually has a lot more to do with the business side of it yeah. than um, what is needed story-wise. I think it's a combination of things. But ultimately, I mean, you've got... Once you sort of are talking about destroying the universe and then reforming it, all bets are off, right? right. Like because they could, a bunch of people could die in either Civil War or Infinity Wars. But in the middle of that, before that, you've also got Ragnarok. I feel like there's, yeah. there's because Infinity Wars, they definitely could bring them back to life. There's, I feel like I feel like they need though to like, uh, and we're basically kind of uh, paraphrasing what Whedon was saying, but like. That death does need to be permanent. That was mm -hmm. one reason why they stuck to their guns about, even though I believe he said that they had actually shot a scene uh, where you know Quicksilver survived, but that if you're gonna establish that these guys are heroes, right. then somebody needs to sacrifice, and why not the, the most uh, kind of, um, um, I think the word he said was actually annoying, something like that, like the guy that was the cockiest, kind of most arrogant yeah. one. Um, Basically, they did what Tony's, you know, they've always uh, pulled Tony Stark back from, from the brink of death, but this time, like, they actually saw it through with a, a different arrogant character, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I really think a lot of it's just going to depend on the, on the because when in comics, people die and they come back. And, yeah. Um, in the movies, I think there does have to be that sense of if, if everybody comes back and there's no consequences yeah. for death, then why do you really care? Yeah. Why are you invested when it happens in one of the movies? Um, I was, uh, and I think Joshua Yale is actually the one who brought this up, our comics editor, but um, you know that Ultron should have been the one to kill Quicksilver. Right. Um, my question is, are the MCU villains not evil enough or not violent enough? I mean, like, Thanos is just basically sitting down most of the time. He finally stood up mm -hmm. and got a glove out of his drawer, whatever the hell he was doing. This is cabinet. Um, and then, like, Loki, <laughs> great talker, although he did impale yeah. uh, Coulson. Yeah. Uh, are, are they just not, are the villains not evil enough? I mean, that's something that Joshua and I actually talked about previously, and I do think that they could sort of like up the ante on the the terrifying factor of yeah. these villains. The tricky part is 
Marvel's tone, right? And so it's a it's tough because once you go too scary and malevolent and evil, yeah. um, it's hard to really keep that same tone. If you had like the Joker as we knew him in The Dark yeah. Knight, does not fit into yeah. a, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? <laughs> you just start seeing Tony Stark weeping from yeah. Oh, oh my God! God. God this He's thing? just like crying in a corner <laughs> and shaking. And Although I have to say that I. I the Winter Soldier to me is, even though he's kind of an anti-hero, I guess he's a tragic character. I mean, as an antagonist, he was scary because I thought he was too. You know, and that's the thing I loved about him was that finally I felt like, oh my god, like yeah. this guy could take out all these guys. And he he had that sort of silent, menacing. I mean, yeah. he was he was less scary when he talked um, yeah. than than when he was just silent and menacing and yeah. relentless, just kind of like, like stalking down the street. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. He, they had Ultron be very like Tony and very quippy, yeah. you know. And he was, I did love the part where he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I cut off your arm." But you know, see, that, that, that was... to me though, as as much as I laughed, it undercut the menace. Yeah. Like if this guy is gonna destroy the world, like, would he really care if he blasted off some dude's arm? He'd be like, "Oops, you know." Yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I do. I think that that it's going to be a very difficult problem for them to solve in well, terms it, of keeping it light. Yeah. Well, that leads to uh, another point that Feige made at that Q&A, which was that humor is integral to the Marvel films. I, I'm paraphrasing him where he said it's part of the DNA of those movies and it'll always be there. Yeah. And that they'll never take a, quote, dark turn. Like, basically, I think he was asked about the Batman v Superman trailer and like they're never going to go that dark even though you know we have a civil war movie coming right. you know yeah i mean they've they've always kind of walked a delicate line with their tone and i yeah. think that they can't do anything now too far outside of it yeah. i think that that warner brothers feels the same way i feel yeah. like that, that they've sort of um gotten into a rhythm and they don't really want to break it yeah um but it is tricky you know yeah. because then then you create characters that are that aren't ultimately that scary. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, the Marvel movies are, are pretty close to, you know, action comedies of the 1980s. You know, they have that same sort of vibe of, like, Midnight Run and things like that, mm -hmm. that, you know, I liked. I do like man. Loki a lot as a villain, though. Yeah, he's great. But, like, for me, it's almost, at a certain point, you're going to need somebody who is just a complete badass. Yeah. You know, I, I want them to be somewhat, somewhat scary. Um, on some uh, on a on a similar front, there there was a report today, claim by Umberto Gonzalez. You guys would know him as used to be El Miami over at Latino Review. He's doing his own thing now, and he's saying that Marvel uh, is in negotiations with Asa Butterfield mm -hmm. to play Spider-Man. Now we've talked about Asa before, Spidey, um, and I just want to reiterate, um, uh, he doesn't strike me as a bag of laughs. He, Remember all those times he cracked you up? No. Yeah, it's funny because um, Kevin Feige has has emphasized quite a bit that he really, really the most one of the most important things for them in bringing Spider-Man into the MCU is that the character is really funny, and they, he feels like they haven't quite captured that yet. Now, to your point, we have not seen Asa be particularly <laughs> hilarious to date, but. Kyle, our producer, actually reminded me of something, which was I interviewed him 
for um, Ender's Game. For Ender's Game, and he was very affable yeah. and friendly and fun and playful. And uh, he's a big gamer because we were talking about games, um, <laughs> which is irrelevant to his sense of humor, but just so you know. Um, yeah, so superheroes, so, they're just like us. They're just like <laughs> us. And so, so there's perhaps a side to him that we just haven't seen yet, which yeah. so often happens. And maybe that's know? a maybe that's really to him is a big appeal. Is yeah. like maybe he does feel like he's been kind of pigeonholed as a young, serious Glum. actor. Yeah, uh, Captain Glum. Captain Glum. Um, let's uh, let's talk about some some rumors of uh, possible directors for Phase Three movies. Selma director uh, Ava DuVernay mm -hmm. is reportedly, I think it was the rap that reported this, uh, Marvel wants to be in business with her and uh, they want her to direct one of their future movies. And, uh, you know, people have automatically assumed it's either Black Panther or Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. I think it would be absolutely just jaw-dropping if it's like, no, it's in humans. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I kind of, I, I think it would be, I, I just, I, there's part of me that's a little, I don't know. It's like, infinite. No, well, well, it's not. Completely. Yeah, no, it's the Russos. But yeah. I just feel like it's it's almost like, to me, it's like Marvel in the 60s where, okay, we're going to be progressive. We're going to, you know, uh, uh, introduce our first African-American superhero. Well, what are you going to call him? Black Panther. He can't just be Panther. He's, yeah. You know, like, I feel like it's just almost too, it, it, it feels like they're just checking a box. Yeah. Like, I, I think she'd be great for any number of their movies. She'd be great for Black Panther. She'd be great for Captain Marvel. I just feel like she'd be great for things that weren't necessarily just the same demographics that she is. Yeah, I agree. You know I, I mean, mean I, I, whatever, if, if, if she is hired, if she, if this is something a that she wants to do in her career, yeah. um, awesome. And so I, 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 there's a there's a piece of me that feels like, you know, I'd like to see her in this in this type of universe. I'd like to see her directing one of these films. It would be interesting to me if it was just exactly. What if outside. it's Thor Ragnarok? What if it's Ragnarok? It could be anything. <laughs> I'm. But if it does end up being either Captain Marvel yeah. or Black Panther, I won't be sad about it. I think she's a really good director, and that's sort of that's sort of the key. Like she's just a really good director, so she can direct any of the. Above. Do you think though, like coming off a, a project like Selma, and she's got so much attention and buzz, is doing something like a Marvel movie where, where it is such a producer-driven yeah. um, project? Is that kind of just going to be a recipe for a heartbreak, do you think? Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't I, know. I it's so tricky because that's what Marvel does, right? They, like, tap people that are very talented um, and and not yet at that place in their career mm -hmm. where they wield a lot of power. But if they do a good job, it's a great stepping stone for them. Yeah. I and mean, look at what's happening for the Russos right now. They're, they yeah. are wanted for everything. Yep. And so if she, she, if she does one of those films and does a good job and brings her own voice to it, at least to some degree, which I do think there is room for that, yeah. then all kinds of doors open up for her. If it doesn't work out, that's not as much true. You know, yeah. but it's probably a risk worth taking when yeah. you're on the cusp like one, that. One more director who was rumored to to at least have maybe taken a meeting with Marvel about Black Panther is uh, the director of this upcoming uh, drama called Dope. Mm -hmm. I think it's a drama. Um, and it's a guy named Rick uh, Fam Famuyiwa. Sorry, yeah. Rick. 
Come on, look at my last name. Nobody can get that right either. It's I never can. So so that's that's the buzz on who is up for possibly directing some of those. Movies. I haven't seen Dope. Dope was out of no. Sundance and like people loved it. It was it was hugely popular out of Sundance. My understanding is that it wasn't a drama because I remember one of the things that people said about it, and I could be wrong because I haven't seen it. Um, I'm scheduled for screening, but. Um, I remember people saying that it was refreshing because so much out of Sundance was so heavy oh, okay, and that cool. dope was really refreshing because it was lighter, but well, that would be wrong. cool. I mean, that w if, if, if it does indeed have that kind of tone, then yeah, it sounds in fitting what kind of stuff that the MCU wants. Yeah. Like Favreau helped establish that, you yeah. know, um, let's, let's move on to a different Marvel related thing. And that's the X-Men universe. Um, a couple of quick things. Uh, Hugh Jackman was on Dr. Oz, of all shows, and what? confirmed... I actually didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> confirmed, was he talking about confirmed, vitamins? Confirmed, uh, I don't know, probably. Yeah, he's a big <laughs> Well, Wolverine guy. works out. Well, he does, he can, apparently he can he bench press like, fish oil. like 500 pounds or some shit. Anyhow, he, uh, and I'm not supposed to swear either, so bleep. Um... Uh, but he said that <laughs> Wolverine that 3 is indeed his last time playing yeah. Wolverine. Which so. is not surprising. He's talked about it for so long now. Yeah. And I mean, and at a certain point, this universe doesn't make, you know, they, and we'll probably talk about this too in a minute, but they mm. really have to, almost, not reboot, but they have to go in a markedly different direction in order to make any of this make sense. They need they need some new faces. You yeah. can't just keep relying on the same the same group. I mean, the guy by the time this movie will come out will have played this role for like sixteen years. Yeah, you know, like let him go now. He's got a life he wants to lead. You he wants know, to go do more musicals. Um, yeah, probably. He probably yeah, he wants probably, to great. just go and yeah. live on Broadway because yeah. um, he makes them up buttload of money on Broadway. Um, but on on your uh, note of they need to bring in some fresh faces, New Mutants, Fox is developing a, quote, standalone spinoff, which to me just sounds like it's a bet. You yeah. know, if it doesn't work, we never have to acknowledge it again. But a standalone spinoff of the New Mutants who came out in the 1980s, and they were basically the first... JV team of the X-Men, and they were a far more uh, ethnically and racially diverse group, even for the X-Men, which from the mid-70s on was pretty diverse. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, but they're also, they're all kids, you know? So in a way, it's almost like first class again, but yeah. this time you wouldn't necessarily have to make it a period thing. So you kind of get out of that I feel like know, they, they so, it's funny because they kind of like, I, I'm so excited for Apocalypse, but then they they weirdly have painted themselves into this strange corner. Yeah. Um, because they've got the first class actors who, you know, Jennifer Lawrence is out after this. Yeah. Um, but they're introducing a whole bunch of new actors, but they exist in the same world. So how are you going to keep... it's the 1980s. And it's the 80s. So how are you going to keep moving forward? And you can't... I think that they've sort of painted themselves into a corner that they're going to need some time to figure out how to deal with. They've got Gambit, too, coming. Yep. Um, we got Deadpool. But got Deadpool. We'll but see if how much he actually plays in with the larger X-Men universe. You know? Yeah. But with this main group of X-Men, it's like, I think they're at a place that they're like, oh, I'm not totally sure what we're doing, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. 
Give us a minute. We'll do Gambit <laughs> and we'll do Deadpool. We'll, we'll get do back to you. the New Mutants and we'll figure this out a little yeah. bit. You know? <laughs> give us a break. Just, just give us a minute. Um, now the the same kind of creative personnel are, are going to be there: Lauren Shuler Donner mm -hmm. and Simon Kimberg. But the director of New Mutants will be Josh Boone, the guy who did The Fault in Our Stars. Mm -hmm. He's also attached to do The Stand and The Vampire Diaries, which is the Lestat reboot. Um, and okay. then wait. Yeah. It's not called the Vampire Diaries. I mean, the Vampire Dad. Chronicles or whatever. <laughs> Vampire Diaries is that TV it's show, the right? TV show. Yeah. CW. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, kids. I was like, Are yeah. It's your thing with the vampire <laughs> and the diaries. Um, no, the Vampire They're Chronicles. They're doing the cinematic version of the Vampire Diaries. That's right. Diaries. Exactly. Um, but you know, the uh, <laughs> what I found most no noteworthy in all this is that the co-writer in New Mutants is a dude named Nate Gwaltney. Uh, who I really hope is related to Newt Gunray from Star Wars, but he is a veteran of the Jackass movies. Those are great movies. They are. They are. And so we'll see if that sort of prankster <laughs> quality is brought to the new mutants, you know? The new mutants are... <laughs> Where it's just a giant... Uh, it's just like... A giant punching like... glove, uh, um, a boxing glove comes flying <laughs> out of a wall. Out of nowhere. And, and smacks them in the face. Yeah. What hey, look like, through the keyhole. They're like the Johnny Knoxville's of the X-Men <laughs> yeah. universe and the whole movie this is This could actually like work. I would watch stunts. that. Yeah. They're all just <laughs> mutant pratfalls, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the new mutants had, you know... Uh, quite a lineup over the years and Cable actually ended up serving as a mentor for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if, now that it sounds like the X-Force movie has kind of died on the vine. Looks dead. That you bring in Cable, you, the, you know, you still have a popular character like Cable yeah. and you make him essentially the Professor X of this new crew. Right. So you get yourself a, an action star to kind of, an older action star to like anchor uh, yeah. New Mutants, but then you get all your fresh young faces. Right. And I think it is obvious. It, it really is a bet. They're just seeing, like, maybe this can work for a while. Yeah. <laughs> we can make this Throw into this a... against the wall, see <laughs> if it sticks. I mean, turn this into a franchise. Um, one last X Men note James McAvoy finally bald, bald. as Professor X. Uh, was revealed on Instagram by Brian Singer. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious how they're going to really explain him losing to, the hair. We have to do a segment of this podcast that is just about hair. Superhero. Superhero. Uh, what was it? Uh, superhero movie haircut. Yeah. Com or something like. We need to do like because that stuff blows up, and it's not just on our site. That like yeah, I've had other like bloggers and stuff say, "My God, whenever I write about Jared Leto's hair, it would go yeah. through the roof." And it does like in the first several times, it was just a different selfie. Yeah. Like the hair hadn't actually even changed. Yeah, he's just like, it's coming, you know? Um, I swear. Yeah, so uh, let us know what you think about the idea of New Mutants, which members of the New Mutants you'd like to see in there. I would imagine Cannonball. I uh, was at Wolfsbane, right? The one she uh -huh. turned into, she was basically a, a werewolf kind of mutant. And then uh, whether or not you want Cable to be in there, you know, is Cable the new Professor X? We'll what do see. you want from your New Mutants? Um, what do you think? Like Stephen Lang as Cable, or is that almost too too older? I think maybe a little bit. I would at say they're. I would say the Rock, but he would look ridiculous with that with that hair. And How he's already in the, the DC do? universe. Yeah, yeah. he's so. already Shazam. I mean, he's not Shazam. He's Black Adam. But he, I, I, there's a theory that he could play both. Shazam I would love and that. Black. I know I'm going down a whole other rabbit hole here, but Shazam and Black Adam. What do you think? You if you don't get. Uh, 
The Rock to play Shazam, you need to get somebody who's just like The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so good that? luck with that. I still kind of want Channing Tatum, but he's he's Gambit, so yeah. he can't do it. Um, let's uh, let's move along from from X Men and talk a little bit about Star Wars. Now we just have uh, some items we're going to rattle off. Uh, Diego Luna, who a lot of you guys know from Elysium, but he's been on a bunch of other stuff. He is going to also star in Star Wars anthology film Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ben Mendelsohn, the Aussie actor you might know from uh, Animal Kingdom mm-hmm. and Dark Knight Rises. He was like, like that slimy banker dude that mm-hmm. Bane was, uh, was working with. Uh, he's going to be the villain. I'm a little disappointed though in that. Why? Mendelsohn's a great actor, but he looks just like those 1970s X-Wing pilot guys. He looks like one of the guys that would have been standing around the room when they were looking at, you know, uh, you know, all oh, that against two, Star Destroyer, whatever that yeah. line was. Like, he looks like one of those guys. So I sort of wanted him to I play mean, like a, an old pilot or something, you know? Is old it, pilot, you know. He could be. What if he's a turncoat? What, what if there's like what a if, whole, Yeah, what if he's what the if Judas whole, in the group? Like, yeah, what if he's like the Benedict, you know, Empire? Ah, there you go. Um, you know who is... Uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, Billy Lord. Mm-hmm. We know that she's in Star Wars Force Awakens. She won't talk about her character except to say she's not playing young Princess Leia as the rumor mill had suggested. So y'all get that out of your mind. It would to have flashbacks, I think, it's with not, other it's, actors. It wouldn't, to me, it would pull I think me it, out would, of it, it would, you know? pull, it would, because you'd be like, that's not, I know what you look like at that Yeah, age. and in this day and yeah. age, too, like, why couldn't you just digitally... Performance capture them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that we will see that. Maybe she's her daughter. Yeah. Maz uh, Kanata, who is the character played by Lupita Nyong'o, um, you know, we got a first look of mm-hmm. her through the Vanity Fair stuff. And she is a motion capture mm-hmm. uh, performance. But, you know, the concept art that leaked out of that character, to me, was a little bit too much like the prequels. Yeah. You know, kind of had the... Uh, the look of the character is a bit like the the Trade Federation guys. Yeah. And I didn't really care for it because it reminded me of the prequels. I mean, I think that ultimately you're not going to see anything in this film that is too reminiscent of the aspects of the prequels that people don't like because J.J. Abrams doesn't, didn't like it either. Did you see that, that the trailer where the guy had inserted Jar yes. Jar into every shot? <laughs> or did you that see the trailer where they just did it as if it was, as if George, not to be mean, but as if George Lucas had directed it? <laughs> And yeah. it's like, there's a million and one there's TIE like fighters and everything. Yeah. <laughs> like Java just goes cruising by <laughs> for like no reason. Like middle yeah. of the desert. <laughs> so, I mean, if there's, if there's motion capture, should it really be used for, I guess, you know, because you, you do see that there are uh, creatures in there with practical mm-hmm. makeup effects, just like in the old movies. I wonder what was it about the Maz Kanata character that required it to be a motion capture performance, you know? I mean, I feel like once you get to a point of, I mean, I, how alien is she gonna look, I guess, yeah. is, is there's only a certain amount of things that you can do in terms of the shape of the body with, yeah. with makeups, right? And yeah. so like, if you get to a point where that is not, physically possible to do with a makeup. I think that that's when you yeah. go to... Yeah, maybe she has like a tail or... She might have a tail. Or like a, a bottom she half of her is like a, a fish. She's a fish. I don't know. She's a mermaid She's in space. With a tail. A long time ago. And Galaxy, some wings. Far, far away. Yep. 
So there we have it. That's exactly what Mass Canada is going to look itself. like. It writes itself. Aren't is. you guys glad that we're not the ones <laughs> writing these characters? Let's, uh, let's move on from Star Wars and talk about um, Ratchet and Clank. Now, okay. this animated uh, movie version of the, uh, the Sony game. And we had some announcements this week. I'm going to uh, rattle off that it opens April 29th, 2016. Uh, it's going to be released in North America by Focus Features. The people gave us Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, so I kind of love that the, from the people gave you Fifty Shades of Grey comes Ratchet and Clank. Animated I, yeah. video game movie. You know, <laughs> I know they do more than that, but... Any but chance they also just mention Fifty Shades, Shades of Grey. Is, but the the voice day. the voice cast the supporting voice cast is uh, star studded as they would say. Paul Giamatti is voicing Chairman Drek. John Goodman is uh, Grimroth. Grimroth Cornette. Uh, Bella Thorne as Cora. Rosario Dawson as uh, Alaris, uh, and then Sylvester Stallone as Victor. So. There you have it, Ratchet and Clank movie, April 29th, 2016. We have some trailers for it up on the side, so check it out. Uh, I'm going to rattle off some new, ra just random news items. We don't really have to talk about it. Uh, reportedly, the title for the next Planet of the Apes movie, War of the Planet of the Apes. Well, that makes sense. It Since does. they were basically declaring a huge war, and it, they seem it's to be cool headed towards war. It's you can't call title. it Battle of Planet of the Apes because no. they already made that. The, yeah. You know, you're running out of stuff to put on in front of all the Planet of, of the, the Planet Apes. Of the Apes. You know, yeah. I, I want one someday just to be sequel of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. They're like, we're up. We, we give up. We got Diplomacy of the Planet of the exactly, Apes. Exactly. The whole know. movie is about <laughs> the diplomatic measures they've taken to... Sunday brunch beans. of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Recycling a Planet yeah. of the Apes. Um, Beverly, <coughs> excuse me. Beverly Hills Cop 4 uh, was supposed to open up uh, against Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and now some pulled from the schedule and it's just... It doesn't sound it's like it's really going to happen. Space. Sh should they just pull the plug on Beverly Hills Cop? And I, I love that first movie. But I come do on. too, but I, I, I do think that this is one of those things that like, I can understand how in a meeting this seemed like a good idea, but then it Sort of dumb and dumber too, though. You know? Yeah. I, I, it's, we're going to talk about Mad Max soon mm. enough in which we will talk about how you bring a franchise back after many, many years. But with Beverly Hills Cop, I mean, didn't they, they tried to do the pilot a couple of years ago yeah. as well, and that totally They changed. had Eddie Murphy involved had with that, Eddie too. Murphy, eh, Eddie, can't speak. Eddie Murphy involved. I, I just think, yeah, maybe let this one die. Um, Move on. Another, another... Uh, I do love that for <laughs> This is actual uh, appropriate segues, because these are other older movies that are being brought back. Uh, there's a report that they want to make another... Fugitive movie. Mm -hmm. uh, no word if Tommy Lee Jones or Harrison Ford be involved. I kind of hope they're not. I mean, at this point, it's yeah. like, what is he on the run again? You know, like really more of a. Did he shamble. not kill his second wife? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. like yeah. Well, like although like you could, Tommy Lee Jones is just like it's getting really hard to believe this is that all like, of your wives are killed by one-armed men. You know, it turns into the jinx. <laughs> you know, like, like, just, I don't know, just wait for him to know. say something in yeah. an interview and we'll finally get him. Uh, and then The Blob is getting remade from the director of Con Air and Sam Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, as we're probably going to start in as a, uh, West, as a right? science professor, yeah. So Simon West is a director who I actually think is a really underrated action director who, who hasn't really had a huge movie yeah. hit in the last several years. I don't know, it'd be interesting to see what he did with The Blob. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like The Blob is, is 
I, how so do you 50s. not? It has to be like played as a joke. How yeah. do you not? I mean, you call you, the if, blob. If man, you guys haven't no. seen the blob, it's just it literally Steve is McQueen. that. It's, yeah. it's it's a blob that attacks people. And, and it's uh, it was remade right in the eighties with Kevin Dillon from Entourage. Yeah. Uh, let's see one. Oh, uh, Eddie Redmayne, Oscar winner Ed, Eddie Redmayne, or as some of us call him, Michael Keaton, dream killer Eddie Redmayne. Um, he is now officially in negotiations. Well, some of us like his star. mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to to star in uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. As Newt Scamander, is that how you Newt say it? Newt Scamander. Yeah, I mean it's weird, Eddie Redmayne, right? Because old vagina mouth. Yeah. I went there. What kind of vaginas are you? Okay. Um, I mean, like. Well, uh, look, we have no time to get into <laughs> that, but. So we're not going to talk about the vaginas, but no. <laughs> we will talk about the fact that he is a very good actor who, who sometimes, if you've seen Jupiter Ascending, is insane. Yeah. And really overacts. And is this a good career move for him? I know it sounds like, oh, it's Potter, it's Money in the Bank, but. I think that after he won his Oscar, that he would be better served to do a couple, and then in the same year that Jupiter Ascending came out, that he would be better served to do a couple, knock a couple more out of the park in terms of the acting, and be like, yeah. no, it wasn't like a one-hit wonder, I'm really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and then maybe, but I can understand, it's a great opportunity, you know, yeah. it will be a successful franchise. It's gonna make that action figure money. It's gonna make that action figure money. Because you know what didn't, Jupiter Ascending, you see all those toys that they put out yeah. for it are were like almost immediately in like the four oh, dollar yeah. bin. You know, they have those little pop funkos of them. Yeah. And they made like several different versions of like Neil Kunis's character and everything. It's not what I had hoped for the character, to be honest, because yeah. I I really I'd almost wanted him to be sort of an Indiana Jones type where he was like professor by day, but adventurer like by Matt rest Smith of the day. Yeah. But a, I think um, there are roles for a couple of young American actors too, so we'll we'll see we'll see how this uh, shakes out. Now, before we get to Mad Max, we're going to talk about a certain trailer that dropped this week. A blasphemous bastardization this, this trailer, of a beloved property. This trailer broke a lot of hearts, it and broke not in the, the way whole you want. Internet's heart. I'm and sure you guys I don't felt pain. Get anything about this. We're talking about Gem and the Holograms. Now, I never watched Gem. I knew of it, but I never watched it. I was, you know, just I just wasn't inter interested in it. You, on the other hand, you're going to take Jim to Gem School and explain to me why this Gem and the Holograms trailer is a crock of, well, you know what, potty mouth. Yeah. So, Roth, take all it right, away. So, so, first of all, I know that the headline, like, it's an outrage, has been used. It is truly outrageous, but it is. It is a total, total bastardization of Jem and the whole thing that was cool about Jem. Explain what, okay. so what made Jem so uh, wacky. If you guys have seen this horrific trailer, then you know that it's basically little more than girl gets, first of all, why she becomes a Hannah Montana-like figure is very unclear. Like why she adopts this whole secret identity. It's seemingly because it's like the evil head of the record label makes her adopt the secret identity or makes her adopt the identity of Jem. I'm a freshman at Jem school, so tell them, I, I don't know what Jem is. Let's talk about what Jem well, is. Lesson one, okay. open so, your books. So the first thing that they got wrong 
is that there's no synergy. And if you know anything about Gem, you know that synergy is the AI that Jericho, who is the female lead, who is also Gem, Jericho's father had a record label. Okay. And he also had this AI, this like massive computer AI called Synergy. And Synergy could create holograms, okay? And so, so it's like it's like Alan Turing meets Phil Spector exactly. meets Quincy Jones. Exactly. That's okay. exactly right. All and right. then he leaves all of this to his daughter, Jericho, and she so she um Am I saying her name wrong? I'm the worst gem fam. I f oh, no. Um, oh. I feel like I am. You're going to get kicked out of gem school. <laughs> I'm going to get kicked out of gem school. It's been a minute. Um, <laughs> but so her father leaves it all to her. So she's the head of this record label, but she also has synergy. And her earrings basically can project holograms. Okay. And so when she projects the hologram, she becomes gem. Okay. who is the superstar. And then she can also use her earrings to reject holograms for like effects on the stage because he invented it to do like crazy effects for performances. But they know that they don't want this technology to fall into the wrong hands. Yet you make it an earring, which is the most commonly lost item on a woman's person. Just... Outside of their virtue. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. The virtue isn't lost, Jim. <laughs> okay. So there's no synergy. So there's no AI where there, she's not the head of a record label. Okay. She's not, she, so she's not this kick butt like businesswoman, which she is. Okay. She's not Jem, who, Jem also, the band Jem and the Holograms, who has a rival band called the Misfits, who causes them nothing but trouble. And like the head of this other rival agency who used to own half of their agency. So it's like Pitch Perfect 2, kind of. No, constantly gets them into scrapes. And so there's action sequences too, where she'll have to use her earrings to project holograms to get them out of danger. Frequently, this happens as you would think oh, it wow. does okay. with international rock stars. And so <laughs> that's not there. The misfits aren't there. Synergy's not there. The earrings aren't there. She's not Gem. They're not the holograms. She's not the head of a record label. She's just a girl, a teenage girl that gets discovered on YouTube and becomes a rock star. And for some unknown reason, the head of the... So she has no real agency. Like, she had... Both of her identities were kicked butt. Gem and the head of this yeah. record label were kicked butt. So she's just this girl who's caught in the middle of, what, an identity crisis, I guess? And why does she have to have a fake identity? And so now it's just basically Hannah Montana, and they're just trying to like capitalize on the Pitch Perfect money, and it sucks. Yeah, because that's it's the line in the trailers Jen. from the studio that brought you Pitch Perfect. Yeah, if and you're it probably do, will make money though. But no, it's totally it's gonna, gonna make money. It's gonna break hearts of people like you. It's and not other Gem. Gem like if you're gonna do Gem, don't do Gem. Don't call it Gem yeah. name only and not have synergy. Synergy was like the coolest part of having Gem. So all right, just just to take it back to gem school so she would have these basically uh you know tech wonder kind of earrings and she would use the hologram uh why couldn't she be both the head of the studio and a superstar why did why the need for why the need for a different identity um because reasons because, you know, it's really funny because you asked me that yesterday. and <laughs> You just can't answer it. It's been... and, and the best part of it, too, is that there's a three-way love triangle between her boyfriend, who also hits on Jem and doesn't know that they're the same person. And it's like, why are you so staying with this yeah, guy who dick. you know for a fact is hitting on this rock star because you're her? <laughs> yeah. 
Like, this sounds awesome. <laughs> Why aren't so, they making this movie? It is so freaking awesome. <laughs> but the reason, the reason that she has the dual identity is so that it was really kind of what does wikipedia tell okay. you Rob? please <laughs> yeah, i was like i'm trying to find out why she has the damn secret identity but i you know what I, I i remember it being it was oddly the opposite of what you would think where you would think like oh um you know it's so that she can have a normal life outside of being Jem. but Jem actually was the thing that shielded her hmm Jem actually Why, became... Why, were there like people that go, trying to go after her business and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, because she was like, she was always, it was always like business, business with her and Jem became her refuge. Like yeah. Jem, I remember it that way. I remember that it was more like she hid behind Jem than, the, than you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. okay, we, we mentioned this yesterday because this, this was, this is what led to us even talking about this on the podcast was the, the there was more heated debate in the office about Gem and the Holograms than there was that Supergirl trailer. And this isn't TV podcast, and we're not going to get into that. But um, I brought up at one point, and, and you and Joshua seem to kind of agree, or no, you and Kyle, that Gem it's almost amazing. like that it's kind of like Lady Gaga, right? Yeah, yeah. Like kinda. she invents this persona for herself, and yet if she, as herself, walked down the street, you probably wouldn't recognize her. I mean, yeah, I mean, Lady Gaga definitely, like, she is, she looks, if you've seen pictures of her, she yeah. looks completely different as herself. Like, if you, um, there's a video of her when she was at, I think, Juilliard, right? And yeah. She's just, like, playing and, the piano, yeah. and, like, she's just really straight-laced looking. Yeah, and she does look completely different, but Gem, it was more like, it, it's weird, it was more like this is the place where she... She could basically choose if she wanted to deal with either way. She was super high profile because she could either and rich and rich and famous. Um, but she could either choose if she wanted to deal with like the superstar identity or she could deal with the businesswoman identity. But she didn't have to deal with both at once. Do, do um, you think that there's any chance that the trailer that you, you all could be wrong and that maybe that stuff is in there and the trailer is just hiding it because they're afraid that people are going to be like, "What the hell is this?" and and tune it out? Or do you really think this is a Gem and the holograms in the name only. It's in name only. Wow. I mean, the fact is, if you don't have synergy, then there is no gem. Like, the whole thing was, like, she was... One of the reasons, too, is, like, her whole mission was to protect synergy. Okay. Like, she didn't want synergy to be out there. She didn't want other people to have access to synergy because she didn't trust that they would use synergy correctly. And if it was the myth misfits who had access to synergy, they obviously would do evil with synergy <laughs> because they're the misfits. And for those of you out there who have been tweeting that the misfits had better music than gem, you're blasphemers, too, <laughs> including you, Eric Goldman. I saw that tweet. <laughs> you and Matt. <laughs> well, you heard it here. That's why the Gem and the Holograms movie is just a crock. It is uh, a crock. All right. Well, I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more discussion about this as, as further footage from the movie comes We want out. Jerrica, the head of a record label, and Gem, who is a holographic projection of her earrings. That's a Gem movie. That is a Gem movie. I can't follow that, so let us know in the comments what you think of the Gem trailer and what you would have liked from the movie. And uh, who had the better music, Gem and the Holograms or the Misfits? Gem! <laughs> that was awesome. So let's <laughs> move on from, uh, from that. Uh, Pitch Perfect 2 is opening this weekend, as is Mad Max Fury Road. Now, I've seen both movies. Uh, I never saw Pitch Perfect 1. Everyone says it's delightful. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen I it. I wanted it. to. Yeah. yeah, I heard it was really good. I, 
liked the sequel. It was fine. It was, uh, I thought some parts fell flat a little bit, but we gave it a very positive re review up on the site. Yeah. I haven't seen Pitch Perfect 2. I've seen the first one, yeah. which I really did like. I thought it was, yeah. I was surprised by it. It was really funny. And That's what I've heard. And, and, and so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to seek it out now, but, um, it's, it's according to all projections, it's going to win this weekend, beating Mad Max Fury Road, which is getting just absolutely stellar reviews, including from our own Scott Calera, uh, raved about it, and yeah. I, and I agree with him. Um, so let's let's let we're going to get into some spoilerish detail here. So uh, come back and watch this part of it after so after you see it. Hopefully you, you see it this weekend. If you do see it. You are going to love it so much that fire will shoot out of your eyes. You will want to marry it. You'll definitely be willing to bear its children. If you are a man and you can't physically bear, you will get a sex change in order to bear the children of this movie. So I suggest you go see it and then come back and talk spoilers with us. This is what I work with every day right here. So the, uh, <laughs> so Mad Max is probably, though, here's the, here's the suck part of this whole thing. It's probably going to lose this weekend to Pitch Perfect 2. It is. But and that's I think no ill will towards Pitch Perfect 2, but I kind of wish, like, I wish Mad Max didn't open up in the summer. Why not open something like this in March? It's not like you haven't had years of this thing sitting there. Well, it wasn't, I don't think it was sitting there for years. I, I think there were they complications. Shot it in 2012. Yeah, but I mean, I, there were complications. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I do agree. They should have opened it up in March. I think if they'd opened it up in February or March, it would have yeah. killed. Yeah. And it just there would have been there wouldn't have been competition, and it would have yeah. had a great run and made a lot of money. It's pro it's definitely not going. Pitch Perfect will win the weekend. Yeah. It has a broader appeal. I think even within genre fans, there are, there will be those that don't relate to Mad Max. It's a crazy. I mean, it's, it's been thirty years since the last yeah. one, and honestly, like when we uh, really started. Uh, uh, doing a lot of uh, promotional stuff on that movie about a year out, uh, a year ago, when right around the time of Comic Con, when the first footage dropped, um, you know, I asked a lot of twenty-somethings, like, "You ever seen Mad Max?" They had no idea who the hell Mad Max was. Yeah, I mean, but it's funny because I have, I am curious to see the people that haven't seen the original films, what they make of it. But most of the you people that I... You don't to see them either. You don't. They enjoy this. Yeah. And, and most of the people I talked to that hadn't loved this one, they yeah. loved Fury Road. I think it adds something if you know the original films. If, yeah. you, if you love Road Warrior, you definitely love this movie. But oh even God, if yeah. you haven't seen them, I think that you will enjoy it. Now, it's insane. Like, there is so much bat shit insanity <laughs> about this movie, which is one of the things that I love about it. But I do wonder how broad of an appeal it has. I think it'll do well over the time. Over time, word of mouth will be good. Do you think it'll do well internationally? Maybe that's all it really needs. Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like Kingsman was one of those things that yeah. sort of built over time. And even last year, we were so upset because Edge of Tomorrow didn't do well, um, but it did over time. Yeah. You know, it did fine. Like it sort of built and built and built. Yeah, I, I am hoping that uh, Mad Max could kind of be like another Kingsman, where maybe it'll never be number one, but it's going to hang up there in the in the top five for a while. The only problem is that you know Avengers is still in theaters and it does cannibalize some of the same audience. Um, I, I really do hope Fury Road, it, it's just a magnificently done action movie. Let's talk about why we love it as yeah. much as we do. you first. Okay, I just don't even know where to start. <laughs> um, okay, first of all, 
it is I remember that opening sequence, right? So there's like a five minute, oh, and I guess if you guys have seen it, um, there's this <laughs> five minute opening sequence. It just starts, bam, like, here's Max. He's totally crazy and eating two-headed lizards. You get the world that you're in. Up is down, down is up. Nothing makes sense. It's man. He's got the old car back. He's got the old, um, it's the... Uh, Interceptor, right? No, yeah, it's the, um, I think, isn't it the, um, the Pursuit Special? That, that crashed in Road Warrior, yeah. War, Road Warrior that he has back now. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. So there's like, there's not a direct continuity, but he takes off and it's this insane chase. You don't even know who's chasing him or why. And suddenly he's taken captive and like beaten and branded. And then he's about to jump out into this mad pit, pit of people and pulled back and that's the open. Yeah. And I mean, I just, this was <laughs> the yeah, whole movie. That's how you start. And then the, the, the fact that the bulk of the, the story is just simply one long car chase. It's a long car chase, but what's really neat about it is that in the midst of this long car chase, though people will say this isn't true, I think you get a ton of story and a yeah. ton of character development. It's just unusually executed. So like, it doesn't take, it introduces you to people in insane ways. It doesn't take time to tell you who Furiosa is. Yeah. It's just she's she's jetting off. You don't know why, and she's Furiosa. And then suddenly there's Rosie Huntington Whiteley crawling out from underneath this truck. What? And, and she's pregnant. And she's pregnant. What? And then it lets it unfold in this natural order. Oh, she's over time. You understand? Yeah. This is the human cargo. She's escaping with them, and it doesn't belabor the idea that these are basically sex slaves. It just let's that be clear by what you're seeing yeah. of this world. Let's talk about the the villain in Morton Joe, who I just yeah. thought was was great. Um, you know, I, I love the design of the he character. He was a toe cutter in the first movie. Yes, he was. Uh, um, what is it? Hugh Burns Hugh Kingsley Burns. or something like that. Sorry, mm. Hugh. Uh, but, you know, I love that, the, um, that the, uh, the, the look of the character and that sort of like, <laughs> he had kind of like the Bane mask yeah. thing going on a bit, but... Um, uh, just that he was this insane warlord who maybe physically wasn't quite as powerful as he would let on, yeah. but when he got behind the wheel of a car, you know, he could, he he, could he was take just care dynamic. of business. And in, in essentially that he was using all these, you know, uh, beautiful young women as essentially baby factories yeah. for him. And then those women that were just like <laughs> milked, you know, yes. they yes. were human cows. You know, and um, and cruel. You know, like yeah. like that would be really painful. I mean, um, it was like basically a human puppy mill. Yeah, a human puppy mill. It was terrible. But it, but he, there is so much, and I think that this is the thing that's easily missed because it is this insane action movie, and the action is so awesome, and yeah. so much of it. I know there's there was a lot more effects used in this in, in terms of like that gorgeous snow uh, sandstorm and the lightning, and yeah. but a lot of this action is done practically. But I think that that's what one of the things that is missed is the level of detail in this world. Yeah, he so much is filled out about this world, and one of the things that George Miller, I saw Q and A with him, we did. Yeah, um, and one of too. the things that he was saying was that even in the midst, any time in human history, no matter where it is or how rough things are, people will make beautiful things. Yeah. They will create. Yeah. You know, they, whether it's cave paintings or in this case, a <laughs> insane vehicular Viking culture. Yeah. Where you. The steering wheels <laughs> are like worshipped. The steering wheels are worshipped. You spray paint your mouth before you kind of like. Or like do a suicide do a run. Do a suicide or run. Yeah. And it's this chant of bor die, born, born again. Yeah. That he's convinced. Yeah, these the war people. boys. These guys were great. Yeah. 
And the cool thing about the Mad Max. Nicholas Holt, amazing. Oh my God, so good. Yeah. And they show the cost of the world. He's got those tumors that he's made into friends. Yeah, yeah. And and, and Moten Joe has tumors all over his body, yeah. right? Like they're sick. Yeah. There's radiation everywhere. There's. They're also hoarding all the water. Yeah. And so you see at the very beginning, you just see all the people basically coming like, it looks like they're there to worship, but really are just waiting for him to turn on the spigot so they can get some water. Yeah. You know? Um, I think it's fascinating if you do know the whole series, I think one of the things that's fascinating is to watch the evolution of the world, mm. which is like, it's still kind of normal in Mad Max. It's just yeah. kind of falling apart. By Road Warrior, it's, it's definitely fallen apart, but they're still hopeful that they can get somewhere. Then in Thunderdome, and I get it, people don't love Thunderdome, but what's interesting is how- I like Thunderdome, with it's a, so dumb do I. fun. Yeah. I do too. Um, that, that it's such a fragmented Is that the world. one where she goes, where are you going? Raggedy man. That Raggedy one? man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tina. Tina Turner. Right. Um, Master Blaster. Yeah. Captain Walker. <laughs> anyway, um, that one shows that because there's not an interconnected world anymore, it's like split into these fragmented societies yeah. where like Barter Town is one thing and it's got its whole culture. But then the kids who've been raised in this cave has like this whole yeah. other culture. And that's, you're seeing yet, Max is just kind of leading you through. And this, this society, this culture in Fury Road is yet another one that's created this whole mythology. Yeah, it, it's, it's also too, like it uses a Western trope of like, they used to call it the traveling angel, like Shane or on TV where the gunfighter would ride into town, clean it up and ride off. Yeah. I mean, that's basically Max, except in a post-apocalyptic landscape, you know? What did you think of his Max as compared to Mel Gibson? I actually find him uh, surprisingly low-key. Uh, I, I remember, you know, Mel Gibson's Max being a little bit more ticky. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of Mel Gibson in general. Uh, and there was a bit of that with Max at the beginning when he's all chained up and first Blood fights back. with a uh, uh, great fight with Fieros and the brides and there's the chain and he's dragging Nux along with yeah. him. Um, but I, I, you know, it's ultimately kind of not really his movie. It's really Furiosa's story. Yeah, she's, you know, she's I, I the mean, driver. I mean, literally yeah, and figuratively. Yeah, and she's driving the story. And he is sort of the, really just the eyes of the audience in a way. Do you think then, I mean, some people, have, that's the one criticism I've heard is that, you know, he's a, a passenger in his own movie. Do you I mean, with I, that? Or? I, I think it becomes, I actually think they're kind of co-leads. I, yeah. um, I think that Max brings us into these worlds and then there's a figure in that world that becomes the driving force and it's right. Furiosa in this world. Like she's was taken as a little kid and brought into this crazy culture. Who knows what happened to her? Right. Um, and she's trying and to she get back. She obviously lost her arm at some point. She lost her arm that. at some point. Um, and she's trying to get back to what she's, Every single one of these movies has the dream of the better world, right. and, which never ultimately exists, and it's kind of sad. But yeah. um, <laughs> but but I, I, I think it's weird because moving forward in the franchise, I do think you could either go with Furiosa mm -hmm. or you could have Max lead us into another strange world, yeah. you know, um, or another corner of this world. What was what was the, the name uh, of the place she was trying to get to? Something, the land the of Green many... Land. Uh, of the many land. mothers or whatever. Oh, right? the many mothers. Yeah. yeah. And I it, love that. And that when you come across that group yeah. and the fact that name one other action movie that has so many... Senior, female senior citizens kicking ass. Well, it's not even just that. It's that you have, yeah, that's awesome. Like the yeah. whole, the grandmas like kicking yeah. butt. But it's that you have like 
you have such a range of interesting and and out there characters you yeah. know un it, like this does not follow any of the normal tropes like he's yeah. just like the world's gone to pot it's insane what would happen you know and everyone sort of has to live together in such close proximity so yeah. you've got rosie huntington whiteley you know who is like an ungodly beautiful woman <laughs> yeah. um next to any other freak that exists in that world right, you right. know these these the warrior boys uh, you war know boys? the yeah. war boys who are like these clearly dying they know they're dying they know they're really unhealthy even even when you do see them as as literally as boys you yeah. know it they're there's something sad about them because they're like just indoctrinated right from the get-go as like this is all you will be yeah you know yeah. they have like their identity is essentially null and void you know um and that's but that's how vivid are these characters and i think that i i really do think that one of the things that's lost is people are like oh it's all action no it's amazing action but the reason you're invested in the story is like through the action, you yeah. are getting to know these characters. I mean, char yeah, character is revealed through action. It's yeah. one of the oldest things, and and it, in this case, it just so arc. happens that he is just on a on a on a, uh, a goddamn pole going yeah. back and forth between like cars on fire and killing dudes. Uh, Nicholas Holt actually has a probably the biggest arc in the movie, mm. right? Like yeah. from going to be on one side to he becomes he has kind of a hero's journey. Yeah. Um, I have to say, in terms of like bat insanity, is the fact that the war music is live. Yeah, like, God. Just got they drummer. have they bring their own theme music. They bring their own. The they've got did. like drummers out there, and the guitar was shooting. It was flames. like a marching band for football or something, you know. Yeah. But you know, you you bring the band with you when you go into war. But that happened back in the day. Yeah. Like there were even yeah. like in colonial times well, there bagpipers were the and drummer drummers. boys and all that. But yeah, I just I just love it too because there's that. I think it's the first shot where you're like you hear the music. Yeah. And you're like oh, it's just the score. And then and then it's like and actual like, nah. people. And just, you're like oh my god, this movie's going to be so insane. I yeah. love it already. Um, what what did you think of uh, you know? Because a lot has been said about how. It's in some ways as much uh, uh, as much of, or perhaps even more so, a female empowerment story as Pitch Perfect Two, which we'll probably lose against. I mean, you know, uh, people think, oh, it's a it's a guy movie or whatever. However, you want to diminish a movie in that regard or mm. label it, but like there really is. Um, I can't think of a lot of other movies this year that have had such a, a strong batch of female characters, and not strong just because they have guns and stuff like there's there's a, a, a grit and a, a spirit especially like Charlize Theron is great yeah you know? Furiosa I think is is an amazing character but you know you can't discount the brides and yeah. what what's cool about the brides is that they're not meant to be good fighters and in fact yeah. like her character Rosie Huntington Whiteley doesn't want them to kill yeah. um, she's very much a mother you know figure yeah. and I kind of liked that too um, yeah, I think that the, but I wish people would just look at it like, I think that that's true, but I wish people would just look at it like these are great characters, right, you know, right. and, and this is a really interesting story right. across the board. Um, and, you know what I mean? Let, let, me, let me ask you a very, and again, we're obviously talking spoilers here, but you know, um, 
Well, you know what? I just realized our cameraman hasn't seen the movie, and I don't want to spoil it for him. So we've already oh. ruined all of it for uh, yeah. him. He's all right. Done. So Rosie, sorry, sorry. Uh, Rosie, uh, Rosie buys it. She does. They kill the pregnant woman so in the sad. movie. Uh, was it so sad? No, she fell. No, I said it's so sad. Oh, so sad. I thought yeah, you said no, no, suicide. No, 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 no. Like, she fell. She yeah. fell. Yeah. So, I mean, Heroically. We, how do you think that's going to go over? Because then you have the whole thing of like, it was a boy and I had a brother and he was perfect and yeah. all that. Like, do you think, uh, is that going to go over okay with American audiences? I don't know. I mean, I think that... I assume I, it did. I mean, the church scene in Kingsman got yeah. through okay, so... I, I think that you can't have a movie like this and have no cost, you know, mm. and like... She obviously, the, the thing that he cared about, because she was still alive, but he wanted to cut the baby out in case the baby could still live, and that's probably what really killed him. Yeah. Um, she might have died anyway. Yeah. Um, but, but if you think about like who he's choosing as his wives, I think I was calling them the brides, which is what we'd been calling them, but they're, they're the wives. Um, is that what they actually called them? I thought they were called the brides. They're called the wives. The wives, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, he's choosing these genetically perfect uh, women in the hopes that they will have genetically stable and perfect children, which is like scientifically not a bad bet to make, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think he he cared about create. He liked the brides because yeah. and the wives because they're very pretty. Um, but he wanted to make babies, and he wanted to make because babies that would live. Because you see some of his other children, he's got yeah. that one giant muscle head, uh, yeah. rictus or whatever his name yeah. is, uh, and then the the. The guy who is a, uh, um, oh, the the little guy. Yeah, you I mean, know? I think that that's that's the thing is like, for him, the biggest tragedy is losing a baby that would have been um, healthy and whole, yeah. you know, in that world, which I'm sure would be very hard to do. Yeah, um, because they don't have I, clean water and clean food. Yeah. Now, were there any were there any elements of that movie you you would have liked to have seen? explored a little further or any was there anything about it that left you wanting I mean a little more? it's funny Scott and I talked about this because they have like the little sort of Matt Max and Furios are both looking for redemption Max is always he's never really looking for redemption he's just always like gets into a situation where he's like well I guess I'm gonna help these people now despite yeah. himself I um, mean that kind of happens here but he has that little girl or yeah, it's supposed to be his daughter, right? Yeah, it's supposed we, to be flashbacks to like. We assume so now, and because that's a little unclear. I don't really care because I can make up the story myself about what that's about. <laughs> You'll you know? fanfic it. Yeah, I'll fanfic it. I mean, in the original, I, I'm pretty movie, sure she says "daddy" at one point. But in the yeah. original movie, his, his son wife and, and his wife kid get killed, right? Yeah, it's like they his get run two, over, right? Yeah, they do. It's like his two-year-old son and his wife. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, and then so it's like, you know, he's. I assume in this movie it's a little bit different for him, but that mm. he lost them and he feels responsible. Yeah. And um and and he and he goes to great lengths to keep Furiosa alive as a result. Right. But at the end of the movie he wanders off, which he always does, and it's like, Max, why don't you just chill somewhere? But no, he can't yeah. do that. Um so he wanders off and I would assume if we were to get another one, which I don't know that they in ten years from now. Yeah, um, exactly. Because this <laughs> one took ages, like a generation basically to I happen. would guess the studio would want to keep Furiosa involved somehow, but that yeah. would be very different for a Mad Max movie. You yeah. don't ever have, I mean, you have actors return right, right. as different characters, which is a whole thing. But Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and also, and we're not going to 
gossip too much, but there was a lot of rumors that Charlize Theron and, and Tom Hardy did not get along, yeah. like really disliked each other. So I think it would be difficult, if that stuff is true, for to see those two together again. There was one rumor that one would be a prequel about Furiosa and the other one would be a sequel with Max, but I kind of liked that Furiosa was maybe a one-and-done character mm. because sometimes explaining what happened to a character robs them of their mystique. And we talked about that with Boba Fett mm -hmm. uh, last week. Um, and I kind of feel like, the, I felt like I learned as much as I needed to know about Furiosa. Yeah. You will, will you go see this movie again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It definitely, it's a movie you have to see on the big screen. Yeah. It is worth your money to do that. Like, you know, Pitch Perfect, honestly, you could wait till Netflix, yeah. you know. But Mad Max, you need a crowd and you need the biggest presentation possible. And it, you really do get your money's worth out yeah. of this. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I, I love this movie. I really love it. I'm going to go see it again. One, one little tidbit about it. The, the actress who plays, I think her character is the Valkyrie or whatever, but mm -hmm. beautiful woman, the long black hair that, you know, that was Wonder Woman and George Miller's never made Justice League movie. She, Megan Gale. Wow. She was cast as Wonder Woman in that movie. And uh, you look at her here and you're like, wow, she would have made a fantastic Wonder Woman. And can you only imagine what his Justice League movie would have been like? Insanely awesome. You know, the action, that Batman, Superman kind of yeah. fighting action would have been and amazing. The, and the crazy thing is that for an entire generation, this will not be George Miller's return to Mad Max. It will be from from the man who brought you Happy Feet and Happy Feet 2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Welcome yeah. to the most f***ing insane action ride you've seen <laughs> all year. Sorry. We're going to have to mark it explicit on a podcast. Oh, lost my mic. Hold on. <laughs> We're falling apart. Yeah. Can we bleep it? Uh, we'll see. Yeah, so, all right. I think let's uh, let's wrap it up. How how do we think Mad Max will fare this weekend? I'm going to say it's tracking in the mid-40s. I'd say that's... I'd like to be more optimistic and say like 49, but we'll see. And, and well, what do you think Pitch Perfect is going to do? That is tracking in the mid-50s, yeah. which is amazing because it'll make back basically in a weekend and a half the entire, what the first movie made in its entire run. Yeah. So it's tracking it, opening at like around 56. Yeah. And then the original movie made 65 million. Yeah. So it's already, it's a hit regardless, yeah. you know, and it's got a broader kind of appeal and all that. So I think number one will be Pitch Perfect. I'm going to, I'm going to say 58. And then I think Mad Max second with about, I'm going to say 47. And then I think Avengers will drop like around 35. Yeah. It's funny because I had seen some people projecting Avengers at number two and Mad it's Max possible. is number three. And it's, it's Mad Max to me is the, is is a big question mark this weekend. I am hoping they held reviews for so long and I don't get it because we loved it. But it didn't have, I, I don't know if it's it now dipped, but on Rotten Tomatoes for at least a time, it was it at 100%, 100%, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm hoping that because of the word of mouth that's happened the last week from critics, that that might have a little dent. Um, and I think it will get good word of mouth as people see it over the weekend. So, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, Pitch Perfect, 55, Mad Max, 47. Okay. I would love it for, to be higher. And then Avengers, maybe like 39 for Avengers. But okay. we'll see. I think it'll be a good weekend at the movies. Okay. All right. Well, we want to know uh, your thoughts after you see Mad Max Fury Road, because you should see Mad Max Fury Road. What you thought of the movie, let us know in the comments. For all things movies, keep it here in IGN.